We will begin our discussion on church membership by introducing our panel speakers. First, to my right is Andy Schmitz. Andy has an MDF from Southern Seminary. He's pastored a church plant, and he is currently a chaplain in the U.S. Army. Beside him is Daniel Hurd. Daniel has an MDF from Southern Seminary as well, popular seminary around here. Uh, he's also been an elder at a church in Louisville and is currently a chaplain in the U.S. Army. And he is also in the elder evaluation process at Faith Family Church. Dan Herbster has a degree from Bob Jones University, a law degree from Notre Dame. Uh, he's been an elected official. He's currently the historian for the 101st Airborne, and he is an elder at FFC, so he's a jack of all trades. And then uh, Kent Shepard is a 20-year warrant officer in the U.S. Army, strong theologian, and leads one of our small groups here at Faith Family Church. So what we will do is I will ask each guest to answer a specific question, then give the other guests an opportunity to reply to that question and add a response if they're interested. Now, in addition, before asking each question, I will read a, a quote from a respected theologian on the subject of church membership. So before asking the first question, I want to read this quote by Jonathan Lehman, who is one of Mark Dever's disciples. And here's what he said about church membership, and I quote, In the Bible... To be a Christian is to belong to a church. No one gets saved and then wanders around by him or herself thinking about whether to join a church. People repent and then are baptized into the fellowship of a church. Looking to Christ as Lord means, bringing, means being united to Christ's people. The first question is to Andy. Why is it important to be a member of a local New Testament church? That's a good question. I think the simplest answer is the Bible commands it and presupposes it. Uh, so in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, uh, so Paul's writing this to a local church in the first century in Corinth. He says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now this is the context of the local church. And so this language of membership is what Paul is using. And it's obviously the analogy of the body. So we are all corporately members of the same body of Christ, united by the Holy Spirit, and we're different members. So some people are the head, some people are eyes, some people are the ears, some people are the foot. We all serve different purposes, and we're better together than we are on our, on our own. It would be really weird uh, if you were to see just a foot off by itself. Weird right. is a really generous term. Yes. It, would be, uh, it would be frightening. Yes. Um, and it, it would be a regular, we're supposed to all be in concert together is what Paul's point there is. So where do we get the, the term membership from? It's really from 1 Corinthians and other places mm -hmm. where, uh, and, and I mean, Jonathan Lehman uh, said it uh, really well there. You read how uh, Jesus' disciples obeyed the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus said, go and make disciples, but not yet. You need the Holy Spirit. So they wait until Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. And then what happens? People are convicted of their sin. They repent of it. They believe. They're baptized into membership of the local church. And more were added to their number each day. There, there is no case in the New Testament of someone who claimed to be a Christian who wasn't a meaningful member of a healthy, uh, relatively healthy local church. Uh, for some reason today, it, it seems that the roles have been reversed, and it seems normative, uh, or at least acceptable, for people to say, yes, I'm a Christian, um, but no, I'm not necessarily a member of a local church. In our context, in the military community, there's no such thing as a soldier that isn't a member of a unit. Like, that's oh, good. I yes. just practice my yes. soldiering on a personal <laughs> soldier of force. Like, that's yeah. Don't go into war. Pretty <laughs> weird. Yeah, <it's> 
uh, won't you, last long, that's for sure. That, that, that's exactly right. Yes. Uh, be, because uh, you, know, you can't go to the war zone deployed by yourself. Team sport, but neither can you do that infantry. here. The enemy is all around. Um, and if you're out uh, on, on your own in the wilderness, it's a dangerous situation. It's not how God has described it. So is salvation a personal experience? Yes. I, per, I put my personal faith in God. He gives me the new birth and changes me from the inside out. That's glorious. Is it an individualistic experience? Absolutely not. We are saved by God into the body of his local church. Um, and so that, I think that's why it's important to be a member. That's good. Anyone else want to jump on that question? Why is it important to be a member of a local church? Well, I think he, he hit well on why it's, it's biblical. I mean, the Bible talks about showing respect for elders, and so you need to know who are your elders. It t demands church discipline, so how, what's the mechanism for knowing who's in and, and out to do that? There's all kinds of one another commands, so there needs to be some community, but on a practical level, it's important because we need the accountability, that subtle accountability of knowing that I'm gonna at least weekly or some regular amount of time, I'm gonna be gathering together with uh, other believers, and that has a, a subtle accountability effort. And then we, we have, we're built in with needs for community, and God has designed Christians to, to live out that community together. That's good. That's good. Anyone else want to jump in there? It's perfect. Is it, is it arrogance on our part to think that we don't need to be a member of a local church? Because it seems to be very, very prominent in America. Uh, American individualism, could it have corrupted our thinking as a sense that it's me and Jesus instead of we and Jesus? It, let me ask you this. Is it possible to overemphasize the global church and underemphasize the local church? So let me just, just pretend I'm just average person. Yeah. What if I told you, well, I'm, I'm, a part of a I'm a part of the global church, so I don't see any need in me becoming a member of a local church. How, how would you respond? could ask a, a question, something like, well, who is your neighbor? And who's your brother and sister in Christ? Mm -hmm. And and you just you can't minister to everybody. <laughs> yes. Uh, on on a very very practical level, like mm -hmm. who is to your right and to your left, mm -hmm. uh, and are you caring for them? Mm -hmm. Galatians six talks about prioritizing the needs of the household of faith above even like non-believers. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you how do you have categories in your mind beyond well I. Like somebody in the global church is suffering more than any of us are going to suffer here. Yes. Probably. Yes. Um, you know, somebody's being persecuted for their faith, like, like physically, you know, we get strange looks maybe. Right. Um, but how can you possibly serve that, that person? Um, I, I don't, I don't know if you can, unless you hop on a plane and then, and then you're over there and then you're with that person and then you're right. in that church. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And the two things that come to my mind, uh, you, you mentioned it. Uh, Hebrews, I think it's 13, 17, it says, obey and submit to your, your leaders in the local church. Right. I wonder if you're not a member of a local church, how do you obey how, that command? How can I submit to my Are you submitting to all elders everywhere? Mm. Are all elders everywhere across the universal church and uh, around right. the globe holding you accountable? Mm. I doubt it. The, the second way I, I think it's easy to clarify is to, to look at the teeth of church membership. And I think, Kent, you're going to talk about this soon, namely church discipline. So if you're just a member of a local church and you know in the Bible it's, it's a normative practice that if someone falls into unrepentant sin, uh, then uh, members of, that, of the church 
in, in this case, the, the global church, uh, allegedly, uh, are to pursue you and call you to repentance. And if you don't repent, uh, they are to uh, cast you out of the church, hand you over to Satan for the destruction of your right. flesh, so that you'll be saved on the last day. The, the intent of church discipline, not to uh, step into your lane too much, is, is redemptive. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but how can that process ever happen if you're not a member of the local it's church? Not. So if you're a member of the global church, are you susceptible, are you accountable to church discipline? The answer, of course, is no. That's good. That's really good. Really good. Okay. Um, now, some people do not call it membership. Some people call it partnership. So, so would you have a problem with that term or, or not? So there are some churches that still practice church discipline. I mean, it looks the same. They just call it partnership instead of membership. I don't have a problem with that. So I'm, I'm, I'm not married to like you have to have a church role and you know right. it has to be you know I'm, I'm not about the methodology. Can we obey all the Bible's commands of uh, uh, loving one another, bearing one another's burdens, praying for one another, submitting to elders, church discipline? If we can obey the the Bible's commands, I don't want to impose a certain nomenclature on it and right. say this is the way. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Okay. Second quote here is by Charles Spurgeon, aka the Spurge. He's my dead mentor. This is what he said. He's like carrying on a conversation back and forth with someone. He says, I know there are some who say, well, I've given myself to the Lord, but I don't intend to give myself to any church. I say, why not? And they answer, because I can be just as good a Christian without the church. And I say, are you quite clear about that? You can be as good a Christian by disobedience to your Lord's commands as by being obedient? There's a brick. What is the brick made for? It's made to build a house. It is of no use for the brick to tell you that it's just as good a brick while it's kicking about on the ground by itself as it would be as part of a house. Actually, it's a good-for-nothing brick. He, he had a way of just yeah, slapping yeah. people verbally in the face. Yeah. It's actually, it's a good-for-nothing brick. So you Rolling Stone Christians, I don't <laughs> believe that you're answering the purpose for which Christ saved you. You're living contrary to the life which Christ would, ha would have you live, and you are much to blame for the injury you do. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Wow. Mm -hmm. All right, second question is for uh, Kent. How do some churches minimize the importance of church membership? Okay, so great question. Um, just for starters, you know, being in the Army, we move every couple of years. So I am exposed to all sorts of different types of churches. Um, even before we're getting rid of PCS, six months in advance, we're just scouring the Internet, looking at churches' statement of faith, listening to, to sample sermons. And then once we arrive somewhere, we kind of just go through a radius of proximity from our house and just start assessing churches. And ideally, we want to find one that's close, but we'll keep on going out until we find the right church. Um, last time moving to, a, to Alabama, we had to go to a dozen churches before we finally found a church home for us. So we've seen a lot. Um, I, I would like to say that I, I can look at really three types of churches, um, and this is not exhaustive, but the first one I kind of classify as, as an amen church. And this is a church that really kind of reduces the, the responsibility involved with being a church member. And in order to be a church member, um, all that they have to do is walk up to the front of church at the invitation, tell the pastor that they want to become a member. The pastor says, have you been baptized? Uh, are you a believer in Christ? They say, yes, yes. And then he brings it before the church and everybody says, amen. Mm, yes. uh, right, so there, there's really no assessing to see if they affirm the statement of faith or the constitution, the doctrines that the church holds dear. Um, yes. There's really no vetting. Uh, have, you, uh, have they really truly repented of the sins and believed in Christ? So that, that's one example. The other one I would call an inattentive church. And this is one that's numbers driven. 
and um, they just they, they bring people into membership and then they don't clean their roles. And over a period of time, you'll see a church that has massive, massive roles of people in a very, very small gathering every Sunday morning. Um, so really, are, are the elders um, holding those people accountable? Are they praying for them? Who are they shepherding when you don't even see those folks that are on those church roles? Um, I was in Hawaii and, and was attending a church and, and it came, they had this huge, huge church vote. And um, people came out of the woodwork who I'd, I'd never seen. I've seen yes. that before. I, I'd never seen them. And I'm like, how do these guys uh, have the right to vote on something? I've been going here for two years. And I've, I don't know who you are. But they had full voting membership. So it, it's an inattentiveness. And I think it's kind of um, just not really shepherding and safeguarding that church and the ones that are, that are currently serving and, and um, you know, uh, being a part of that membership. The last one I call just an apathetic church, and, and this is one that doesn't think the church membership is biblical. They'll say, I don't see it in the New Testament. Um, we just all attend, everybody la di and, and And as an elder, who are you praying for? How do you do church discipline? How, how do you know how to call somebody uh, into repentance when, when they haven't even come into that covenantal relationship with you to say that I am a member of this church? So that's kind of the apathetic. Those are really the, the, the big three that I can think of that I've seen. That's great. I was part of a church that was 2,000 on Sunday morning, and they used to always brag about having 6,000 members. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I think that's super unhealthy mm -hmm. when you have yes. more members on the roll than attenders. Mm -hmm. Our church here, we always have far more attenders than we do members, and it will, it will always, always be that way. Um, anyone else want to add to that particular question, how do some churches minimize the importance of church membership? I mean, I've seen churches that have dead people on the roll. Like they're already in glory with the Lord, you know. Well, I, I remember one time. I remember one time at a church. Uh, There's a young couple. They moved away. They've been members. They moved away. They were gone for like ten plus years. Moved back and wanted to rejoin the church, but they were already <laughs> they were <at> first. <laughs> Welcome back. Now I've met some really strong believers um, who love the Lord, who do not have the conviction of the local church, and it, it is my mm. prayer that. Not, not accusatory or anything, but that, that they would develop that conviction because there is just such a joy about being a part of a church. Sure, and I think, I think all of this really stems from uh, the, the authority of God's word, which I've heard Ken, uh, Kent talk about before, and, and the preaching from the pulpit. So it, it, the, the pulpit is the, the rudder of, of the local church because it's mm -hmm. God speaking to his people. And if all the application is really just individualistically, like here's how I individually obey what I'm hearing in the text, and it's not uh, applying corporately in, in, the, in the church, I, I think that's what sets the tone. And it's what makes, conversely, membership so uh, important at Faith Family Church is because we, we hear so regularly from the pulpit, so faithfully. Uh, about the importance of uh, meaningful membership and um, the the preaching and teaching and, and, and serving in the local church at Faith Family, uh, much of it is restricted to to members. And so, how do we make membership meaningful? Uh, we we want it to be people who we know to be uh, professing believers who have a credible profession of faith and fruit in keeping with repentance. And membership meets that need. Now, I understand some of the sentiment behind a pushback on that. Maybe if they see church membership as like a legalistic act, and they, maybe they push back and they think, well, you know, you're, it's like it's some work that gives me brownie points with God or, you know, yes, it's not some magical thing. Putting your name on a roll of a church is automatically going to give you spiritual benefit. But it's important to have that kind of a, an official relationship. Right. And, and when you said earlier, there's really not a Christian in the New Testament, you know, 
once, once you get into Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, that's not a part of a local church. You're, you're not saying that they were all signing a church covenant or raising their hand, but there was something that counted them in the body. Right. There was, whether you use the word membership or partnership or whatever, they added to what? They, they added to the body. So they knew who was in and who was out. That's exactly right. Even Paul says, I think it's in 2 Corinthians, uh, he refers to a church that the church made by, by a majority. Well, how in the world do you know what a majority, majority is if you don't know how many people are counting? Yes. Uh, the next quote is by David Platt, who uh, wrote the book Radical and Pastors, I think, in the D.C. area now. He says, there are no believers in the New Testament who are not associated with the local church. And so that leads to the third question for Daniel Hurd. What are some spiritual and practical benefits of church membership? It's a hard question. <laughs> yes, I think it would be the hardest question. <laughs> Glad you got that one. Yeah, but it's, it's, a, real, it's, a, great, it's a great question. Um, Dan Herbster mentioned this, the, the one another's. Um, yes. and Andy mentioned it um, there are over 30 one another's it's almost like a, like a beginner's guide to <laughs> just like answering the question what, what, what am I actually doing as a, as a Christian like, yes. I think that's almost predominantly especially for new believers is well, what, am I, what is God calling me to do mm. what am I supposed to do and, mm. and on, on a very practical level church membership answers that it gives you not just the the overarching purpose of like I'm going to glory, but I'm going there with other people, yes. and so I'm going to do something as simple as like open the door for the glory of God, so people are feel welcome at this church. Right. That is satisfying in a practical benefit to yourself, to others, to your own soul, as well as as a spiritual one. Yes. I mean, it's it's really incredible. So, it, um, I, I think membership also satisfies. Uh, the, the craving that a non-committal culture has, because mm -hmm. um, like, you can you could join a gym and you can be a member yes. of a gym and then yes. you can like drop it in thirty seconds and there's no there's no cancellation fees like <laughs> right. nothing. Uh, it's 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 almost unreal like why they would call it membership. So I think why the Bible has it's it's more to do with a, a body, mm -hmm. and so I th I think that membership when when you think about oh should I join this church. Like, don't just think about it as far as like what it satisfies for, for you, mm. but like it is a service to others. Mm. If, yes. if you don't join that church, then that church is like, they are missing an arm. Mm. Yes. They are without an appendage. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and they, they need you there. So it just, uh, every other kind of membership in the world is about fulfilling your needs. Mm. And I think, I think church membership really is about how do I how do I bless and serve others? Mm, that's good. Anyone else want to jump in on that? Amen. I've, I've heard I heard the phrase the other day, uh, faster alone, further together. Mm. And so maybe, uh, and I, I think I heard this from a preacher. Uh, maybe God is more concerned with the corporate body of His bride in mm. the local church than He is just about you. Mm. Can you even fathom mm. that God isn't just only about only one yeah. person? Yeah. Um, Jesus shed His blood to die for for all these people. Yes. And what's beautiful about the, the local church is. It's, uh, it's representative of what we're going to see in heaven. Uh, people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. I, I'm in the pews, and like when I have people over my home, they don't look like me. They're not like me. They're, they're uh, different uh, walks of life. And, I, 
and, and maybe I'm a spiritually more mature person or maybe I'm more spiritually immature, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm coming alongside other people who are coming from different stations of life. Yes. And we're loving Christ together and spurring one another on to love and good works uh, in a way that could not happen if we were just trying to do this on our own. I think one of the benefits for me is um, I, can, I can live free knowing that if I step out of line, if something in my life isn't in step with the gospel, that church members will call me out on it. Yes. I'm, not, I'm not like, oh, is this wrong? Is that, is that wrong? I'm not living, living in that fear. I live free, and I know that my fellow elders, my fellow church members will call me out if my life is out of step with the gospel because we are blind to our own sin. Mm -hmm. We are blind to our sin, so it's, it's helpful. Okay, uh, another quote here by Kevin DeYoung, who writes a lot for the Gospel Coalition. He currently pastors in the Promised Land, North, North Carolina. Carolina. Yes, yeah. and uh, he's a solid Presbyterian. This is uh, his quote about church membership. The man who attempts Christianity without the church shoots himself in the foot, shoots his children in the leg, and shoots his grandchildren in the heart. Now, this question is for any and everyone. Who... How has church membership been a blessing to you personally? I'll, I'll start out as a as a single man with no no wife, no prospects in, in the, the near future. Of uh, and all my all my lieutenant buddies, all my uh, sorry, I didn't mean that to be a violin or anything. Um, all my lieutenant buddies from my old unit are moved away. It's not like I have like single buddies to hang out with uh, anymore, and I'm um, you know. I'm at a unique uh, job and everything, and I've been deployed overseas before for nine months away from my family. But thanks in, in large part to the fact that I have a real family here at, yes. at Faith Family Church, I never feel alone. Even when I'm, you know, when I was halfway around the world, I knew my church family was praying for me, and I knew I was a part of them, even though I was there off by myself, just basically me and my chaplain, trying to, to minister the gospel as much as we could there. I never felt alone. I always knew the Lord was with me, but then I always knew that I was part of a, uh, a, a family. So even in our society today, when we have um, chronic loneliness and even a part of the increase in suicides, is no doubt... Uh, um, because of chronic loneliness, uh, not only do we need it just socially uh, and biologically, but we, uh, the, we need Christian community uh, for those of us who are believers. And so that's just been a huge blessing to actually have uh, that, that kind of a, the family aspect. And then again, it's just the accountability that you talked about. I need that accountability, just that subtle accountability of knowing like I'm going to be gathering with my brothers and sisters in Christ every week. And it's a uh, it's helpful. That and you, you were talking earlier about um, you know what, what we can do. We we talked about what we can do through the local church. So many people, I think, they feel like, oh, I just can't do anything good for for God. I can't go overseas and be a missionary, or learn a language, and I'm not gifted in preaching or all these different things. But anybody, you can be faithful to a local church. You can join. You can attend. You can get to know other people and let other people get to know you. You can serve. You can pray for your uh, church family systematically. And who knows the kind of rewards that you will have in heaven just by being faithful to a local church. And I know Kyle and I talk about this all the time. Sometimes the biggest blessings to us are just the folks who are faithful. They'll show up when they say they're going to uh, week in, week out, no matter what, and they will faithfully serve and minister and participate here. Those are this church just can't function without them, and I think that they will have incredible rewards and have maybe more than some flashy, world-famous preacher or conference speaker even. 
So, uh, you know, what I, I kind of I look at there's three different types of people that go to church. You have the attendees, um, and then you have the members, and then you have the members that are faithfully serving behind the scenes. And I discovered very early on in my salvation that once I became a member, I started to serve. It was almost like I was able to draw back and peek behind the curtain and, and form some friendships with some of the most faithful and loving people that are on this earth. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I call him a best friend today and it's been, you know, nine years later. And so, you know, when you come to church and you just unite with those that are serving, you, you just are going to be so richly blessed with some of the most humble servants, period. And what, you, what you're saying that reminds me four out of the five of us here in the army so we know that kind of sense of pride wearing that uniform of being part of something it sounds cliche but it's true bigger than ourselves you get that in the local church i mean the bible christ and the apostles use military illustrations for a reason um we're we're all part of the global church the lord's army if you will and uh this our our local church can be like our our post our base where we can practically train and where we can fulfill that that great commission it's i I agree with that it's not just like it's better uh so uh uh three things that come to my mind uh number one when i was on deployment uh last year uh there is a type of bond you form with people on deployment that is unlike anything else almost we experienced mortal danger together uh we were in austere environments together and it doesn't the bond that i feel with them which is strong comes nowhere close to the bond that I feel with other members of the local church. I'm not exaggerating. It's not even close. Um, The second thing that comes to my uh, benefit of uh, uh, membership, especially a faith family, is right before I deployed, we had our first kid. uh, Josiah was a month old. And then I popped spoke with downrange, and it was a blast. Uh, And (laughs) Jenna, who was a first-time mom, and then a functional single mom, and working full-time somehow to manage all of that. And I said, good luck. Uh, And I couldn't do anything. I'm in Southwest Asia. but Josiah's not sleeping through the night. It's really difficult. And so the way that uh, Faith family rallied around her uh, is just so humbling. Um, I mean, even your wife coming over and spending the night so, uh, to take care of Josiah so Jenna can finally get a night's sleep. Just incredibly humbling. Um, and the third thing was a number of months ago, and it was, it's with what you all have been hitting on. Uh, Daniel saw me in sin. And uh, he took me aside, uh, treated me to a cup of coffee, uh, which I was grateful for. It softened the blow. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and he lovingly rebuked me, uh, which if we weren't members of the local church, and if he didn't have the love of Christ in him, uh, he wouldn't have done, which is terrifying, by the way. Right. Uh, any Christian should be terrified of living in an unre- unrepentant yes. sin. Yes. It is death. But Daniel loved me enough to rebuke me gently. Um, and and see and call me to repentance, which in God's kindness He granted me repentance, which would not have happened if I wasn't a member of this church. That's right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> next quote here is by your dead mentor, Martin Lloyd Jones, who was a wonderful good expositor <laughs> in London. And uh, we were just talking about this recently. How Charles Spurgeon pastor, you know, he had about six thousand people in London, and that was a very blue collar church. Martin Lloyd Jones. Friday night, 1,500 people, very white-collar church. But um, this is what he said about church membership. We must grasp, once again, the idea of church membership as being the membership of the body of Christ and as the biggest honor which can come, to, which can come a man's way in this world. The, the biggest honor which mm. can come a man's way in this world. Next question is for you, uh, Dan. 
If someone is listening and they have a desire to become a Covenant Church member at Faith Family Church, what does our process look like? Uh, well, we, uh, when someone expresses an interest, well, we regularly announce that we have a, at least before the coronavirus hit, we had a monthly <laughs> membership class. So typically the first Sunday of the month, unless it was one of those crazy uh, weeks off for the Army, uh, during the morning service, uh, we would have the first morning service, we would have uh, a membership class, basically 45 minutes to an hour. We work through a curriculum that goes through some philosophy of our church, uh, some of the core documents like doctrinal statements, even we brush through the, the, uh, the, the um, Constitution and bylaws. And then we give them the copy of that resource for them to look through, check out, make sure that they uh, look at that church covenant because that's the promise that they're going to make, answer any of the questions that they have there. And then the next step is for them to consider it, pray about it, see if they're really ready to make that commitment at this point. And then if they are, they, they approach one of the elders. Typically, if I do the membership class, you'll do the membership interview, 15 minutes, where they, uh, you, know, you get to know them, you go over some of the expectations. And you, you particularly want to know what they understand about the gospel, whether their sins have been forgiven, whether they have the confidence that their sins have been forgiven through repentance and faith in Christ. Because as we tell them in the membership class, we're not doing anyone any favors. If we let someone doubtful in, we're, we're doing great spiritual harm to them by, by giving them that kind of imprimatur of, we think you're a believer by letting them in. And you go through that, and if that goes well, then uh, if they have been baptized uh, biblically as we would uh, define that, then uh, they will uh, publicly we'll, we'll introduce them to the congregation, sign the church covenant, and they're, uh, they're a member. Good. That leads in to our next question, but I want to give a quote before we do that. This is by Tim Keller, New York City Yoda. He says, everyone says they want community and deep friendship. However, because it takes accountability and commitment, we run the other way. Second question is we have a member covenant. What is that? And what is expected of our church members? Basically, it's just a promise. And we try to make it official. We print it out like a, uh, a contract. And they sign on the dotted line and date it and everything. And we maintain copies of that. Um, and again, not that that's like something that's required. Not A list isn't necessarily required, but it's super helpful to know uh, people who don't have photographic memories, who's in and who's who's not. But having a covenant, it's basically, it, it, it uh, is a great way to memorialize that where they have to read through and realize these are the promises I'm making before God to these other people in the, the congregation and the prom same promise they're making to me. Something about signing on the dotted line really makes it real where they're like, oh, do I really, am I willing to make these commitments? And then it just uh, when we go to them later and just and, and remind them of their of their obligations for church membership, it just it's again it's, it solidifies that yes, I've made commitments here. This isn't just a casual relationship, but uh, it's a commitment. That's good. So membership class is one. Then two after the membership class, then it's an interview with one of the elders. In that interview, we cover four things: uh, hearing your salvation testimony. Um, talk about baptism, if you follow the Lord and believers' baptism after your salvation. We talk about church expectations, and then we answer any other questions that, that you have. So that's the process for that. Uh, final quote here, actually it may not be the final quote, by John MacArthur. It's, you've been joined together with Christ. You bear his name. Are you ashamed to belong? Are you ashamed to bear that identification with other believers of like precious faith? Shouldn't you be willing outwardly to identify with the visible gathered members of that group to which you eternally belong? 
All right, Kent, we've saved the hardest question for you, yeah. and you're welcome. Thanks. Uh, what is church discipline, and how does it work? I'm going to defer to you. No, uh, so um, first off, uh, nobody should be happy about doing church exactly. discipline. I mean, yes. you, you know, you should be brokenhearted in the idea of even having to confront your uh, your brother or sister in Christ because they're in sin. So you find it in Matthew chapter 18, I believe it's verses 15 through 20, and there's there's a progression of sorts that, that Jesus is setting forth. And the first one is if your brother sins against you, you go to them one on one. Um, you know, you guys did that. I've done it before with brothers, and 99% and of the time, that's where church discipline ends. Nobody else will even know that it's happening. It'll just be in the private. You'll be, you'll be talking to your brother, and, and, and prayerfully, they'll repent of their sins and, and be yes. reconciled to you. Um, yet if they don't, um, if, if they're kind of hard-hearted, then you go to them with, with two more. So, you, you know, you, you go to them with one or two more, and then you, you go as a group collectively, and then you try to get them to come to repentance. Um, if they still refuse, if they're still hard-hearted, then um, Jesus says you bring it before the church. And that's, that's the, the final escalation um, of church discipline, um, petitioning them, praying for them, you know, trying to get them to, to be reconciled to the body of Christ, to repent of their sins. And if they are you know, dead set on con continuing what they're doing, uh, if their sins are bringing a reproach upon the local body because they're unrepentant and they don't want to um, you know, be reconciled, then uh, you, you, Jesus says you're to treat them as a Gentile and a tax collector. Um, so you're, you're effectively supposed to sever the church membership at that point in time and no longer consider them a member of this local body. And at that point, um, really, the, the, the idea behind it is now you start from the beginning. Um, they're no longer a member, but we don't like just you know cast them off and say that you're lesser than we start to no shunning in other yeah words. we yeah. start to evangelize them yes. again because we realize that if, if they're that hard-hearted they're probably not even born again yes. yes they're not believers so we need to evangelize them make sure they understand the gospel and prayerfully they'll be reconciled to church um, I've only seen it go to that third step once in my entire time I don't know if you guys have seen it before but it, once, it, it's not once. something you see very very often at all uh, John Dagg says, when discipline leaves the church, Christ goes with it. Very rarely will you see a church that is very strong on membership, but not on discipline, because they go hand in hand. A church without discipline is like a family. Without discipline, it, it isn't functioning properly. Mm -hmm. And so it isn't pleasant, but we're not functioning properly unless we're doing that. We actually have a primer on church discipline in our membership booklet. Um, where we talk about the theology of church discipline, the heart behind church discipline, and the process of church discipline. So that's all in our, our membership booklet. Anybody else want to speak to that before we move on? I think Ken hit, hit the nail on the head. The, the, the why, is, in, in terms of the mm -hmm. big picture, is the whole point of the entire revelation of God is to give himself glory. And we, are, we ought to be trophies of his grace we, uh, by our good works uh, shining in a dark place in, in the world, uh, people ought to see it and give glory to the Father. And so how unbecoming would it be for people who profess Christ to live in unrepentant sin? I mean, there's no perfect mm -hmm. Christians. Yeah. We all sin. And any church where that first step of church discipline isn't happening isn't a grace-filled church to grace-absent right. church. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, but for, for someone who continues, just like what you said, uh, in unrepentant sin, they refuse they may be continuing to profess, like, hey, I do believe in Christ. I am a Christian. But they're denying it by their works. Yeah. Uh, the, the, what's the consequence? The consequence is they're dragging the name of Christ through the mud. Yes. Yeah. And the local church cannot tolerate that. Jesus yeah. doesn't tolerate that. Yeah. 
uh, and, of, and of course, and you, you, I couldn't have said it better. The, the, the intent is to see that person reconciled to Christ and to his bride, the, the local church. So the, the big why, the why is the glory of Jesus. That's good. Before the next question, let me give you a quote by Alistair Beck. If you skate around, if you skate around joining a church, you never have to deal with all the annoying people. And I would add the submission to the leaders. Another question, this is for everyone. Um, do you have any further reading or podcast that you would recommend on the subject of church membership? Why don't we start here, and then we'll go around. Yeah, Nine Marks, uh, uh, of, uh, uh, excuse me, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church by Mark Dever mm -hmm. is, is a really great read, and there's a smaller series that Nine Marks, the publishing arm, uh, publishes, and there's a, a book on church membership. Uh, it's uh, short, very readable, and I think really helpful. Yeah. I really like, it's not particularly church membership, but Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think it's just Excellent. helpful to orient around, like, yes. how do you live in, in community? And, and I think just reading a book on pastoral ministry, mm -hmm. that might sound counterintuitive, but, like, read read it from, like, the, the pastor's angle. Because, mm -hmm. um, honestly, I, like, as a, as a pastor, uh, if, if church membership wasn't in the Bible, on one level it would be easier you don't, yes. you don't have to have super difficult, super awkward conversations all the time. You you don't you don't have to like oh, if I say this to so and so, then well they're going to leave and they were given a lot of money or so and so and right. well they're, man they're they're the loud minority and if I say it if I say this like it, it can be really challenging and so I on one level I, I think that removing your yourself from like just being a congregant to oh what if i was the pastor uh that's that's just what i would recommend it's good it's great anyone else uh, yeah i mean nine mark i'm sure there's a lot of great resources out there but the nine marks uh organization it's been really helpful for me a lot of their their publications and articles and even podcasts yeah i concur nine marks there's a host of material on there if you go to the website all the books one of my favorite ones uh was was co-authored by Deborah. it's called deliberate church so if you want to read about it from a very pastoral perspective, I've gone back and read it a few times over. It's going to be one I'm going to read throughout my life. Yeah. That's good. Uh, there's really a void on writing about church membership that I think Nine Marks is, is yeah. filling, which, yeah. which we're grateful for that. Uh, a quote here by R.B. Kuyper, who was a strong theologian, influenced Edmund Clowney. Uh, R.B. Kuyper said, It is clear that in the days of the apostles, it was the universal practice to receive believers into the visible church. It's possible, it is possible, that a true believer, because of some unusual circumstance, may fail to unite with the church. One may, for instance, believe in Christ and die before receiving baptism, or believe in Christ and die before joining a little church, but such instances are and were exceptional. The scriptural rule is that while membership is not a prerequisite for salvation, mm -hmm. it is a necessary consequence of salvation. So I think that's very important because it's not making – none of us are saying membership is a gospel issue. Like you Correct. are not even a Christian. Yeah. If, but, but we are saying that we believe strongly that once you've received this salvation, it will lead you to church membership. So this is the last question for everyone. We'll start here and then work our way around. Uh, we have a very transient church because of the military community. You just unpack that yeah. the transient life as well. Yeah. What would what should one look for in choosing a new church? Okay, so where do they start first off? Um, a couple of resources I go to is you know on the nine nine marks church search. Mm -hmm. 
However, disclaimer, not every church that advertises believes in all nine marks. Um, so, you know, use a critical lens as you're looking through it. Also, Founders Ministry is very helpful. You can look at the local churches. Um, and, and additionally, when you get into that nine marks of a healthy church, there, those are nine different things that, that Dever has prescribed that kind of make up a healthy church. You may find some churches that meet five or six or seven. Ideally, you want to have all nine, but that's, that's very rare. Yes. That's very, very rare, just, just being quite transparent. Yes. Um, so, so start there. Um, look for churches that, that kind of hit all those things. Are they elder-led? Do they do expository preaching? Do they have a, a good understanding of the gospel of conversion, biblical theology? Do they do church discipline? Do they do church membership? That's really the nine marks in a nutshell that you should be yes. looking for. Yes, that's excellent. Uh, another great church search that I've used in addition to the, the nine marks website is the Gospel Coalition. They also have a uh, we're on both of them, by the way. That was one of the yes. first things I remember mentioning to you guys. Like, you should probably get on those uh, databases. Um, and then, yeah, the, one of the the topic we uh, discussed previously, expository preaching. That's the main thing. Our, does the, the teaching staff, the pastor, does he handle the word properly? And and you might need to see our earlier uh, episode on expository preaching to know what that looks like. That's the, the, the most important one. The other marks to use the nine marks uh, framework typically follow from good solid expository preaching. Look at their doctrinal statement. Hopefully they have one that they publish uh, and that it lines up with the core teachings of, of scripture. So we have three statements of faith here and those are big. Like we, we put those on our websites. Mm -hmm. uh, before you joined this church, you called and read through all of our statements of faith. Before you joined this church, you called and read through all of our statements of faith. Before you joined this church, like I received a call from each of you and questions about, about our three statements of faith. And um, you did not because we didn't, we were not like having websites or anything. <laughs> we were just very few people when you came. But um, yeah, it's important. Okay, you have anything? Uh, so we, we use Truth, like a tier. Truth, wisdom, preference. Mm. Uh, so, like so truth. You guys have expounded on that already. Uh, but wisdom, I think, can be like childcare. Like that's a good wisdom question to ask. Yes. And we did ask you about that. Yes. What What is a church's stance on on childcare? It doesn't fill in the whole picture. But if they thought through, like, oh yeah, we do X, Y, and Z background checks. Mm. Um, that's important to us. That's yes. significant yes. for these reasons. They've thought through those things, um, and then and then even in that conversation shows wisdom of like, are they blowing it off? Like, yeah, of course we do background checks. Whatever. It's like okay, I, this is a legitimate question, especially <laughs> yes. for people that have kids. Yes. Yes. But but like those those little children, like, are you caring for them? Yes. That's a that's a wisdom question. Even exactly. if I didn't have kids. Um, and then preference, I think for the military, like you should make a list of preferences and then you the, crumple it up and just throw it away. <laughs> yeah. you, just you just don't have enough time. Yes. I, I don't think you have enough time. I, yes. you find it, find a great church, join it. If the army it. had wanted you to have a yes. church, it would have issued. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing as a wife. <laughs> right. That's great. That's great. And, and we do here with our members, with, we have stricter rules for our children than any church smaller than us or larger than us, we're just really big on that. Sarah and I were a member of a church of, of 2,000 and they did not do background checks on children and uh, I mean on people working with children. Mm -hmm. So it's just wild that uh, you even have to ask that question, you know, but it's important. I think you should do a background check on Josiah, my son. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So when I was a pastor of a church in Illinois, it was in a college town. We had a lot of college students attending and members, and and so it's it's similar, uh, kind of a similar dynamic. Uh, someone else has said it's like hugging a parade. You know, mm-hmm. like you, people yes. are here, you love them, but then they they have to keep walking. Yeah. But what um, is it like during coronavirus season? Because it can't. Can't be a hugging. Can't be a fist bump. Six elbow. You can't even do the elbow thing. So the the advice that I give my college students, uh, I I would give, I give to my soldiers um, as as their chaplain of stop hemming and hawing and just commit. Uh, I know uh, us millennials, we love to have our options open, which is exactly exactly what you were talking about uh, earlier. Um, But stop deliberating and uh, stop uh, being paralyzed by you know paralysis by analysis. Yes. And just commit. Good night. You're. We're, you're making so many excuses like, well, I'm only here for a short amount of time. Yes. That's the reason you should commit. Right. As soon as I found out that we were getting stationed at Fort Campbell, it was November 2017, I wasn't going to get boots on ground until like the following April, mm-hmm. but it didn't stop me from the next day of finding out in that November. I was on the phone with you, grilling you about ecclesiology questions yes. and all that stuff. <laughs> yes. And so as soon as we got here, we, we, we were only coming to faith family. I knew that right away. It was important for me, especially because I knew I could go out the door in deployment or whatever it could be at any moment. I owe it to my family uh, to connect them with the healthy local church. And so yes. d- does faith family meet every one of my little preferences? Nope. But it's a faithful what? church that's that brings That's news to me. Uh, uh, but, but, that's the next panel. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that was on church. Go ahead. <laughs> But y'all preach the word. Yes. You have biblical understanding, yeah. conversion. The gospel is so clear. My, my wife and my son, they're discipled, and, and they're pointed to have their affections warm for Christ, and uh, where uh, the saints are equipped for works of ministry. Like, what am I going to complain about here? Um, and so I, the, the advice I would give is stop deliberating and join a healthy local church. That's great. But if you guys have any questions, we'd love to answer them. Just email us. And it's been a real joy. Thank you, man, for Thank you. joining Thank you. us. Thank you for listening to this resource of Faith Family Church. We gather on Sundays at 495 Hugh Hunter Road in Oak Grove, Kentucky, and are a short drive from Fort Campbell and Hopkinsville, Kentucky, as well as Clarksville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website, myfaithfamilychurch.com.